Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for you, Gunther. The way he brought that down was fabulous. Cantonar. Yes, hello and welcome to episode five of the Shooting Azar Zeros podcast, but this time there's only two of us, Bryce Conway, it's just you and me this time, our man Alex Grant, he's off on Asian Champions League duty tonight, Wednesday, uh, Monday night, sorry, the 28th of June, we're recording, Alex only told us today that he couldn't do this tonight, superstar he is, isn't he? The rock stars off- Charlie now. <laughs> the Rockstar's got games every three days at the Asian Champions League. So uh, he's tapping out tonight. So Brycey, you and I are just going to power out a little quick pod for our listeners because it's actually been it's been another week since we last spoke, and there's been plenty of things going on at the Euros. How are you? I'm good, mate. Uh, Marky Marks just announced a four day lockdown, so yeah. I feel like I'm going to be watching plenty of Euros. Four day lockdown in Perth, snap lockdown. For those that maybe aren't in Australia and are listening. Uh, if, if you are out there and you're listening to this podcast, Australia's going crazy right now. What, there's probably only 150 cases nationwide, but Sydney's yeah. in lockdown. I'm in lockdown for at least two weeks. I have a feeling it's going to go longer than that. Perth had one case, or maybe there's two cases there now. Yeah, I think there's a total of three. Lockdown. Yeah, I think there's a total of three now. They just found a, found had one more positive case. So Mark had the old uh, emergency presser. And everyone was a bit panicky. And uh, yeah, so four days, four days of FIFA and Euros, it seems. Not bad. We are, so yeah, we're pretty much recording this podcast as this news is breaking. So um, yeah, for those that maybe catch up with this podcast at a later date, it's all happening right now. So if you're in Perth, um, yeah, you're going to be watching the Euros. But um, so I, I mean, another thing on the COVID thing, I mean, it kind of, it's annoying that we're going into lockdown the way we are. And I know that everyone in Australia probably has their views on the vaccinations and the COVID situation. And of course, we're not medical experts, but, you know, it kind of, for us to be going back into lockdown over such minimal cases, it kind of like, you, you look at the crowds at the Euros and the numbers in Europe still, and you just kind of, you, you scratch your head a bit, don't you? You're just like, how, how are we here? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Let's keep it football. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's frustrating. Anyway, we're here. It's lockdown. But let's get into it. The Euros, there's been plenty of uh, action happening. Of course, the group stages is over since we last spoke. Um, but the round of 16 has started. What have you made of the games thus far before we get into each of them individually? This podcast, we're just going to talk about the games or the round of 16 games that have happened. We've actually got a two-minute report from the man himself, Alex Grant, all the way from somewhere in Thailand, I think. He sent a voice memo, so we'll be playing that as well. But what have you made of the four games thus far? It's been really interesting. I feel like my confidence in Belgium has depleted a touch. I know they got through, but I mean, a few key injuries, not looking as free-flowing as they once were. Italy's great pass, I mean, an extra time. I think Austria put her off a really good account of themselves after I bagged them out heavily. Them and Switzerland in the group stages. Uh, I just Wales going out the way they did was really upsetting. I feel like there's it's been a lot of interesting results, and I feel like you can just feel that ment- momentum of the tournament like getting to that climax. It's palpable at the moment. So I'm, I don't know. I'm just really excited about these remaining games. Yeah, and it's uh, there's so many good games to come as well. All the, they're all sort of blockbusters from here. All the big teams. Um, so, yeah, Wales nil, Denmark four. Kasper Dolberg sort of really stood up there and uh, bagged a double. 
Italy scraped past Austria in extra time, actually, which is uh, quite a fascinating game in itself. Italy were challenged heavily by Austria. They actually made a very good account for themselves. Probably should have had the lead on another day. Could have had the lead, but I suppose Anatovic was offside. Uh, the Netherlands last night. Wow. Out to the Czech Republic. 2-0 loss. Frank De Boer, the worst manager yeah. in Premier League history, as they say, <laughs> Jose. Jose. And then Belgium somehow scraped past Portugal this morning. That was a uh, a tough one. I got up and watched it at 5 a.m. Mm. Uh, watched it live. I'll be doing that tomorrow. We're recording this at 10.30. I'm going to get up in about six and a half hours to watch the remaining games. But um, sure. let's start there. We'll start at the Belgium-Portugal game. Blockbuster, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, the defending champions are out of the tournament. Uh, how did you see that one? I think... Uh this might be one of those watershed moments where I know Ronaldo, he's been scoring and doing well this tournament, but he didn't really, he didn't, it didn't feel like he was going to be the one to make the difference in this game. And just the impact he was having, he just wasn't as clinical and you know, mercurial as he usually is. And I think, I mean, how old is he now? 36. Yeah. Is this his last major tournament? Well, he, last he, we'll see of him. I mean, they got the World Cup in a couple of years. You just know he's going to be he's going to be there at the World well, Cup. Well, think about it this way: Pepe's thirty-eight, still playing, starting. Ronaldo's thirty-six, will be thirty-nine by the time mm. of the next tournaments because it's only in three years from now. So, I, you know, I would expect to see. It. Well, and then he break the record for being the person to appear the most at the Euros. So, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him, but yeah, maybe it is yeah. a turning moment, as you say. But then I say that and then I just start thinking about the amount of times people have written him off in the past couple of years and yeah. he just comes back and proves yeah. everyone wrong. So don't listen to a word I say, basically, is what <laughs> I'm way. saying. Uh, it's just fashionable to, you know, mug off Ronaldo for a bit and then get back on the train later. But it just, it was it was really interesting to see and great to see Thorgan Hazard uh, headlining instead of his brother, Eden. So it was, what a cracking strike as well. And then I, I, I thought that when I first saw the goal and then I see the replay, I'm like, oh, the keeper, did he just misread that completely? And it was the most 2010 Shakira Yabulani-like hit I've seen in some years. It was so good. Just the schwaz on it, just completely misfooted the keeper. Great goal. But that last 20 minutes was mad. It was really good fun. rest of the game was a bit bland and a bit of a, a game of chess. But um, no, interesting game in the end. But then like De Bruyne coming off injured. I think Eden Hazard's carrying a knock now as well. And they've got Italy and it's just... That's going to be a cracking match, but I feel like it's like it's a lot more. Uh, in, in Italy have the advantage now. I feel heading into that match and should be favourites. Are they favourites for the rest of the tournament, Italy? Seems that way, doesn't it? I feel like everyone's buzzing on Italy, which just I feel like I'm still salty from the 2006 World Cup, obviously, uh, and I've always been. I know, even when they're in form Italy, I always doubt them because I feel like the Italian fans always get up and about way too quickly and way too easily, which I love because they're very passionate. And it's great that they do that. But I feel like the hype is real with them at the moment. But they did look a bit flat in this game. Austria, I think, were unlucky to a degree. Um, I don't know. They did have the fans behind them, Italy, in this one. Uh, you could really feel that in the stadium. And it was a bit... The atmosphere was really lacking in that game. So I feel like they really, they're a team that really thrives on that. They just looked a bit flat. So I don't know whether the, the hype and momentum's really, you know, not crashing to a hold, obviously, but if they're, you know, having, if it's slowing down a little bit with all this pressure. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're the favourites now. Yeah. I I understand what you're saying, but I also think they've, well, they've played three good games. They're bound to maybe mm. have have an off day and they still sure. got the win, right? So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. I reckon these. God, I, I can't see anyone beating them. I just can't see anyone beating them, right? Like, yeah, like because like France haven't hit their stride. They've showed no real signs of being the dominant force that they have been in major tournaments of late. Mm. Belgium have been good, but haven't been setting the world on fire. Portugal now out. Germany's been indifferent. England have been consistent, but not really not really exciting to many people. Italy's, I think, the only team that people want. Jeez. Like they are killing you just it. Right don't now. want to face them, right? They're just no, they're, absolutely they're right there. Yeah. Informed team of the comp for sure. So two goals in extra time to Federico Chiesa and mm. Pessina. Uh two one win. And then Austria scorer was Kala Jic in the hundred and fourteenth minute. So um Can we talk about Chiesa's goal? Yeah, Did let's talk about it. Control? Unreal. It was on the shooting czar's Instagram. So for those that maybe Unreal. listened uh and maybe saw it there, but yeah, un unreal goal wasn't it just the tech is like the first touch pretty much with his forehead but like not like a usual cushioning header like he had to take a delicate touch with his head so it didn't balloon off as a defender so close and his reaction time to get a toe on it before the defender sweeps it away from a corner and then a left foot volley it was it was mad like it was one of the most technically great goals. i think it's a technically the best goal i've seen at this tournament yeah it was, um, it was amazing yeah, I agree. Into the side netting as well. So it was, yeah. Um, yeah, some strike. And as you say, that's the hardest thing to do as well. Um, mm. Like balling in one way, controlling the ball exactly. the other for those that yeah. have played. It's just so hard to do. And um, yeah, amazing goal. But Italy too, Austria won. They were pretty, I mean, it was pretty stiff for them. Austria actually played well. So this is the thing. Austria, Austria played well, right? And they actually sort of outplayed yeah. Italy for much of the game. So yeah. Italy obviously still got the one, uh, the win. But they had Marco Anatovic had a had a header ruled offside VAR, which is just you know flattens the tires a bit in these games when the underdogs sort of you know like it they take the lead against all odds and then it's to get ruled out. You kind of just it has that impending feeling that it it mightn't happen and it kind of felt yeah. that way, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think I think the best thing from that is that's the first time we've talked about VAR this whole podcast series in this tournament yeah like, it's the first time it's become relevant so i think it's been but, great yeah, they got it they got it right though BAR, absolutely they? they did absolutely they did but it's the first time we've even mentioned it so i think i think that's really one of the big you know, subplots to this tournament it's just been the lack of you know, input from not input but impact of var so far i mean i know we're heading into the crunch stages so who knows but yeah, yeah just so far it's been refreshing to not talk about it every bloody week yeah. Why why do you think that is? I don't know. I've seen some some people on Twitter giving their opinion, but before maybe I'd disclose that, why do you think there's been less VAR influence in a tournament like this compared to other leagues? Know. I don't know if it's by, you know, coincidence that people are holding a better line or it's it's clearer the decisions, it's not as close cut, where it's like a centimeter off or armpit like we saw in the Premier League over and over and over. I think it, I don't know if they got, um, before the tournament, they were advised by the Referees Association or whatever, FIFA being like, look, can we just not make this about VAR? And can we try and make the games flow a bit more? I just, I don't know if they've been instructed to do that. But yeah, obviously we're, we're never going to know. But just to me, it just seems like the games have been flowing a lot better and there hasn't been a need for it, which has been really refreshing. Yeah, I mean, one school of thought I have seen doing the rounds on Twitter was, um, you know, it's a tournament like this. It's the best of the best, right? So you got the best referees from 
all of the biggest leagues in Europe all coming together to form one referee team. So I guess there's maybe less discrepancy um, and less error among those that maybe aren't a senior in those bigger leagues, if that makes sense. Which I yeah. think, which I think, I think it does make sense that you really do have the best referees from every country yeah. refereeing for together. Sure. So um, the argument could be used for Champions League though as well. What that that's not the case. Well, yeah, I feel like we've had it. We talked Champions League. There was a lot of VAR incidents, and I mean that's a collection of the best in Europe, if not the world, sometimes. So yeah, but yeah, but but uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Having the collectively the best in the world just yeah, one makes spot, a difference. Perhaps it is contributing. Yeah, maybe they're just doing their job better, and it's there hasn't been a need for it. But yeah, it's been it's been great. So Belgium v Italy in the quarterfinals. What's I just want to talk. You mentioned Belgium there, and obviously they've. Mm-hmm had now got a couple injury problems and they're known as this golden generation. I just had this thought and maybe this is, you know, this is another, we can bring this up when Alex is on. We're going to do another podcast, hopefully on Wednesday this week and try to get a few more out. But um, what do you think about, you know, the whole idea around the golden generation, I just thought about this. Mm. Why are a team, the golden generation, right? So it's like Belgium now, what yep. makes them the golden generation? Is this because Belgium, this is the best set of players Belgium have ever had at one time? Is that the definition? Or is it this is the best, you know, like the, the breakout set of players, if that makes sense? But I just liken it to maybe, obviously in Australia's case, that was the case with Kuehl and Viduka and all the 2006 World Cup heroes in that era. Um you know, but even with England, England's always had good players, right? But for what, for whatever reason, you know, the mid-2000s England team was the golden generation. But why is this Belgium team their golden generation and what actually defines a golden generation, do you think? I think it's a really interesting question of what defines a golden generation. I think you can have multiple golden generations. I think um, this Belgium side, it's, it's purely recency bias and we see this team, or I view it, a lot of people other others view it because this is the most you've watched football and you're at that age where you've followed them for 20 odd years and that's all you know about Belgium who knows in the 60s 70s 80s even 90s where we weren't watching football as much they could have had a better squad a better team but we just aren't we weren't clued to that we don't is it a recency bias thing you know what I mean or potentially yeah but then I think for me the reason that England squad was called the golden generation was because of the profile of those players, the clubs they were playing at and the trophies they were winning at club level. And then when you look at Belgium now, you've got Kevin De Bruyne winning the league pretty much every second year with Manchester City, getting, yeah, not winning the Champions League, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Romelu Lukaku winning Serie A. He's been at Manchester United. Eden Hazard being one of the best players in the world for the past decade. Always been there or thereabouts in the top five to top ten players. And he had Vertonghen um, in there as well. Uh, no, am I talking about Jan Vertonghen or am I talking about Thomas Vermaelen? Thomas Vermaelen. Thomas Vermaelen in there as well. There's just been so many. And then that Munier as well has been at yep, PSG. He's come out, yep. Thibaut Courtois. Like, there's just been so many plays that have been, especially on the Premier League spotlight as well. And a lot of people cover Premier League and we watch the Premier League heavily, especially this country. It's one of the most popular leagues in the world. So everyone views those players as better than ones that are playing in, say, France or Germany or leagues that people don't watch as much, especially here in this context. So I think it is the profile of the players and the clubs they're playing at and the success they're having at those At the one time, you think? At the one time, because it's stacked. Like, you look at their team and it's big names. It's all big, big names. Same as France. Yep. But the thing is, you know, with France, these these teams, France and Germany and... 
you know, to a to a lesser extent, England, I suppose. But yeah. um, England are kind of on that level. Italy, it's like yeah. they always have the best players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. obviously it's because crazy. Europe's the benchmark. But yeah, it's, it's just funny how Belgium, being a European nation, um, now has their golden generation, and I wonder whether yeah. it'll continue. But we'll have to yeah, wait. Yeah, my see. boss, my boss definitely doesn't think so. He thinks they always disappoint. He's German, so there's definitely some bias there. Uh, yeah, but he just he just always thinks they've been they've had this golden generation for the past what since the two thousand sixteen yeah there's an eighteen World Cup that's just two thousand eighteen World Cup yeah and it just hasn't they haven't really they haven't nailed a tournament yet so like they got close but they just haven't yeah and this team they always disappoint mm, yeah and, and obviously much has been made of this team as we've just mm. spoken about and I think maybe another pressure on this team is. Um, because Belgium weren't qualifying for tournaments back in the eighties and nineties, yeah. they weren't. So they they were going spells of you know long periods of time, and they were not successful in um, national comp- international competitions. Yeah. And you know, especially for us growing up. Like, oh yeah, they, they were. They, they've never they've never been relevant, right? From a European yeah. point of view. Um, but then the Belgium FA, I don't know if you know this, but they completely overhauled their youth setup and their youth systems. You know, around the millennium. And so that's sort of been well documented as whatever they did. I don't know how they did it, but um, yeah, it was a real focus back, you know, 20, 25 years ago to actually like invest more in youth, which is maybe what they need to do here in Australia as well. But this generation we're seeing now is the result of that. So this is the first generation of players that have come through this like revolution of a youth setup in Belgium. So maybe that's why there's more uh, credence given to them, but um, fascinating topic anyway. Yeah. Anyway, let's um let's have a quick look at the Netherlands and the Czech Republic. Um, as I mentioned at the start of the show, um, our man Alex Grant, he sent in, he was good enough to send in a voice voice memo. We'd be so lucky. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this, Bryce. I, anyway, I didn't it, listen to it yet. Yeah, all right. This is this is it. So this is Alex Grant's take of the Netherlands Czech Republic match. Yeah, so the Holland game. Czech Republic, uh, named for entertaining stuff last night. I got up, watched it, stayed up here at the hotel. Um, it was pretty even first first half. Uh, half uh, Holland tried to control the game, have more possession, and the Czechs looked to uh, hit them on the break when they won the ball back. And it really was great to watch both teams. <laughs> shaped up well uh, there was a bit more of a physical presence about the the checks and i think this ultimately uh, led to them winning the game the lip matthias the got sent off um in the second half and this really definitely swung the balance uh, in the checks favor and marlon had a one-on-one opportunity to score just before the sending off i believe and this uh could have put the, the Dutch 1-0 up and from there you probably would have seen them uh, win the game but it wasn't to be and the Czech scores from a set piece uh, like I touched on the the physical and aerial presence that they have is immense and and they really took a foothold of the game after after the sending off and you can only see one winner I thought uh, Barak the 7 was a really really good player he was immense throughout and Probably from the Dutch, Depay was a little quiet. Dumfries was actually the one who impressed me the most. He got up and down the right, uh, playing as a wing back, 
defended well and, and managed to get forward and create a few chances for the Dutch. But all in all, it was a, a good display from from the Czechs. And I think in the end, they probably deserved the win. And I think the Dutch will be disappointed as they were before the tournament looking to at least reach the semis or even go on to win win the tournament with the squad that they had on paper, but it wasn't to be. So they'll be uh, bitterly disappointed about the result. And there we have it. Our man on the ground has delivered that report. Perfect okay. for radio, isn't it? You could just you can chuck that on any live radio <laughs> station. Perfect report. What did you what did you think? He's got a he's got a voice right. I think I think I agree with most of it. Very just, proper. It was very proper. It's the most proper I've heard him talk. It was like he's getting interviewed by a journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did you think? What did you think of what he had to say? Did you agree? Did you say much of the yeah. game or I mean Yeah, I watched I watched the, yeah, I watched the game. I think the Netherlands in that first twenty minutes looked a class above the Czech Republic and it looked like it was only a matter of time before they'd score. So Depay's set pieces were horrible and that was kind of hindering them to a point. Um Marlon, he's an interesting one, a player I'd, I'd never heard of before this game and he's he's a, he's a young bloke i think he's only 20 21 years of age honestly never heard of him before this tournament and he's leading the line for the netherlands at the euros and it just seemed like yeah that not the netherlands you remember a, is it no you used to rvp or a van like a world-class striker up top and they just have not had that or a class young hunter up top even yeah so I think that was to their detriment at this. Ryan Bubble. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mate. What a, what, a jet. <laughs> what a jet. Some of that haircuts he had. Yeah, but, um, it, but it, a, a biggish player, you know, maybe this guy will turn into yeah. that. But yeah. Well, for sure he's still young and could get to a big club, but he just didn't. I hadn't heard of him before. And then he had that he had that key moment um, where he could have put a 1 0 up and he just didn't have the composure to finish off. I think the keeper did extremely well in that moment, by the way. But I think the Czechs are just so like, physically large. And it was just inevitable they'd score from a set piece. And I, as Granty said to us earlier, the Delitz decision to cop an obvious red card there, like you've got Stecklenberg in goal, who's the oldest keeper at the tournament. I think he's one of the oldest goalkeepers to play in the year. Anyway, it, like you back the Dutch to still do the job if they go 1-0 down or at least get back in the game because they've got enough quality. And to just go to 10 men like that, he misread the ball. He let it bounce, which is a cardinal sin as a centre back. It was just a calamity, wasn't it? And just the way he hit the ball was just, what do you, I just don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Not great from Delic. And, uh, you know, ultimately, as that's the reason they've lost because he got sent off in the 55th minute. Then there was goals to Holes and Schick. Hopefully, I've pronounced Schick. that. Well, Schick's, yeah, Schick's a great He's player, been isn't he? Healing it, man. He's been killing it. I think, um, did he get signed by AC Milan a few years ago and it didn't work out? Um, I might be wrong there, but I know, I swear, he went to a, bit, a big club. It might have been Syria, and it didn't really work out for him and he's gone off. And it's just, I feel like this could be another another one where like a team like Spurs or West Ham could, Pick you know, up. be in the mixer for him and really, really uh, make the most of that. Because he, he's one of the players in the tournament so far. He's got an absolute yeah. belter against Scotland. He's got a few goals now, so it's just he's definitely one to watch out for in the years to come. I think he's been fantastic so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I like the way you uh, put Spurs on the same level as West Ham. That was uh, 
I'd be very happy. Mid-table <laughs> yeah. Shit. So, um, <laughs> there we go. Then. Better than Spurs now. So just, yeah. <laughs> oh, what is going on at Spurs, by the way? We'll get to that maybe. We'll have a couple of minutes on that at the end. All right. Final game. I mean, sad for, uh, you know, me. I was, you know, I want to see Wales, Wales go through, but they got pounded, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, 4 0 to by Denmark, Kasper Dolberg. Uh, who, you know, had only barely played much this tournament, sort of came in because of an injury sub, more like came to the team because the starting striker, Paulson, yeah, I believe, went Paulson, out. Yeah, yeah. He's come in and fired his nation into the Mate, quarterfinals. He's a, he looks like a 12-year-old, yet he's setting <laughs> the the Euros a lot. I think he's class. Like, I remember him at Ajax during that big Europa League run they had a few years ago against United, and they lost in the final, so he was a really good player. So he's come up come up through the system in in Ajax, like you know the likes of Jan Molby has as well. So the Danes have got that good. There's always a, there's always been like a good lineage there of a few uh, Danes coming through that Ajax academy and then delivering on the world stage. And he's he just seems like a stylist. Like that first hit was unreal. Showed great poise to finish the second one as well. Um, and the coach, I think Casper Dolman, he Wales were doing really well in that first. I'd say like they've got. First few minutes, he thought Denmark were looking a better side. Then Wales really took over. Yeah. Like to Gareth Bale, he looked in the mood, didn't yeah, he? Like, he did, yeah. Cutting in, early in the match, cutting yeah. in off the right and hitting a few of those ones where it's just it's schwazing all over the place. You don't know where it's going to go. And he got close yeah. a few times. He had that and one then, chance cutting in from the right. I remember. Yeah. And it was sort of a similar shot to that of um, Hazard in the Belgium yeah. game, but it sort of exactly. you know, missed the post and went out. Yeah, and then I think um, the Dane coach, Casper Hulman, he, he changed. He's a big, I've been reading about him recently because of just his tactics have been really good so far. He's, he's a big Pep and Cruyff like, lover, like total football, and just has a really more expansive and progressive look on football. And he, he changed their system from a back three to a back four to try and nullify Gareth Bale, and it really worked. And him and Ramsey were. They just look. They just like look like they lacked ideas, and they were quite tired after a period. Where I was, I mean, they've been, they've, I think they're the second most travelled side in the in the tournament, having gone to Azerbaijan um, there for a couple of their few of their group stage matches, and then not having as many fans there as well. They just looked tired and lacked ideas, and I think it was a tactical masterclass there by Hillman to change it from a back three to a back four. Yeah, and there was um, Gunter or Gunter, is that the what the Wales player? What's that? Chris Chris yeah, Gunter. Chris Gunter, yeah. Um, yeah, he's come out and called the tournament format a joke, quote. So, um, yeah, in, in the wake of that 4-0 loss, he's sort of had some uh, nasty words for your wafer and sort of how the tournament's set up. Because, you know, you've got teams like England that are going to play at Wembley every match. Oh. And then you've got other teams like Wales. So, in theory, should just be playing in the UK. But uh, for whatever yeah. reason, they're having to trek to pretty much the Middle East, Azerbaijan. So, it's not really fair. I mean, it... It is. I mean, there's 12 host cities or whatever, but yeah, there are definitely some smaller nations that are just getting shafted in all of this. So, um, absolutely. Usually, it's it's only lopsided to one country, and they're the only ones that have a home advantage, really. Yeah. And then you get neighbouring countries that can have more fans at games because it's easy accessible. Accessible, pardon me, but having 12 nations, like looking at England's run, they could play. I think every game except a couple at Wembley. Like, what? No, I think, I think I think they'll play every match at Wembley if they get to the final. I don't know where the final is actually, but I'm assuming it's at Wembley. Given and the... they get an e- they get an easy group, and like Croatia is yeah. another one. Croatia has been yeah. up 
Wembley, Hamden Park, and then I think they're yeah. over to Amsterdam as well. So they're yeah. moving around Europe, and then England are just training at St George's Park. Anyway, hopefully England win it because you know it's in yeah. their favour. But uh, Wales are out, four 0 loss. Their defender, yeah, sad to Hunter, see. isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's sad to see given their yeah. semi-final run in the last tournament, but um, probably you know fair enough. I mean, Denmark, uh, maybe. That was probably their best game or was their best game of the tournament. Definitely. Yeah, um, and I think it was really interesting to see after the game, Gareth Bale being interviewed and someone asked him the question, is this your last game for the country? And he just, he just yeah, walked out. Yeah, then he walked off. off. Yeah, doesn't want it. Yeah. He, said some, he said some strange things whenever people talk about his career. He's like, it's, it's going to cause chaos, my announcement. So I don't know if he's taking a, taking a piss or not. Because he seems to be a bit of a funny character with those kind of things. I just, yeah. Like, his next movie, he's, he's literally got the world at his fingertips with football and the footballing world wondering where he's going to go. Or he's just uh, still at Real Madrid after his uh, <laughs> loan spell at Spurs, just being like, oh, see what I do. I yeah. just, I like, it's an it's a, it's a interesting attitude to have. Yeah. No, he's a fascinating... I love, uh, I love him. Yeah. Really fascinating pro, I think, just yeah, from like absolutely. how he goes about being, you know, what in one of the top 10 biggest names in the sport. It might not be one of the mm. best 10 biggest players, but he's yeah, definitely one of the biggest names still. But uh, yeah, definitely it's, it's really interesting how he carries himself being that famous, if that makes sense. He kind of yeah. just doesn't like give a shit. And, yeah. yeah, and it's tiring and he almost, he doesn't clearly, like clearly he likes it, but also just doesn't care for any of the fanfare and can't be asked with anything, it seems. So... Yeah, well, I I would say like it's worlds apart. Real Madrid, you can you can really get that sense and through his actions as well that he's just you just like you, when you get berated by Real Madrid fans constantly, yeah. like they do as when Alex said or whatever, a couple of just get ago. battered. Yeah, exactly. You just get battered. It's just it's horrible, isn't it? Like, it's horrible, and I think that would was wear on him being in a foreign country and everything, and then the, your own fans are just pestering you and berating you. Yeah. But then he gives it everything for Wales. <laughs> you can just tell it, it means so much to him, which is great. Such a refreshing attitude to have, especially for that nation with the likes of Giggs and stuff making up mm. uh, making up injuries so they don't have to go. But yeah. he just seems like he's sick of it. He's sick of the nonsense and the circus around football, which is, yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, completely interesting. And we'll have to wait and see where he mm. goes. That'll be uh, breaking news probably in a couple of weeks. Um yeah, so Czech Republic will play Denmark in the quarters. The other games, which by the time anyone listens to this, a couple of them will have been played. Uh, England are playing Germany on Wednesday morning, I believe, Australian time. Can't wait, yeah. Same with Sweden and Ukraine. But tomorrow we've got Croatia, Spain and France v Switzerland. We won't go too in-depth to the analysis of these ones, but France v Switzerland, Bryce, who's coming through? France? I can see France, but I can see it being extra time. I think Swiss have been quite impressive so far. Shakiri just always turns it up in these tournaments as well. So he's been really good to watch. Um, and Bolo's an absolute weapon up front. I think he's been really strong. It just causes set back such issues. It's not just his pace and physicality. I think he's really smart with his runs and hold-up play. has been fantastic. Yeah, so I'd pick, I, I think I'm going to go France, but I think it'll be extra time. It won't be straightforward. I know. There we go. France will choose. Croatia v Spain. Who are you going for? 
that exactly. is flip of a coin, isn't it? Spain have had one good game against yeah. probably the worst side in the tournament by a country mile. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I just don't know how much to read into that. But you look at that on its own, you'd, you'd have to pick. Oh, I actually still on four, maybe that. Spain. I just don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah. I think it'll be. Uh, I'm going to go Croatia. I'm going to go against again. I think Croatia. How was Luka Modric's goal, by the way, against Scotland? I mean, that's what we didn't cover off. But wow, we outside of the boot, just it's easy unreal. as you like. But it's he makes it look easy, doesn't yeah. it? And he's he's the best. I think he's better than Quaresma with the outside of the foot, and I think he's the best in the world hitting it with the outside of his foot. He's a genius. He's made, yeah, he scored a few of them as well. If you go yeah. back, his I think there's, there was a few compilations doing the rounds after that yeah. goal on socials, but um, yeah, he uh, showed his class there. Definitely. Actually, I'm going to change my tip to Spain. Perisic is out. Very he is out. He got COVID, yeah. right? That's that's sort of yeah. recent news. Yeah. So how, done, this, how yeah. wild is that in tournament? You got like Billy Gilmore for Scotland, well, this is, and this then Chilwell and stuff hugging him after the game. They don't, then they don't get to play in yeah, some of the games, so and weird. then Perisic gets COVID. It's like, how is this tournament still going? And people have got COVID. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's so weird how those these situations are arising out. It's just one player. Like this is, I don't really understand it either. But this is what I mean. Europe's mentality nowadays, because everyone's getting vaccinated quicker, is they can just yeah. carry on. So hopefully Australia gets there soon. <laughs> Sweden versus Ukraine. Um, look, I'm I'm not going to pretend and you know say that I know these teams all that well, but um, I'll probably go for Ukraine. Yeah, see, I've watched more of Sweden, so I think I've got bias on that. But I just like Yamalenko. Being unreal. <laughs> yeah, Yamalenko's sick. Hey, don't let him cut on his left. Um, yeah. Forsberg's been in such good form. I know I like Sweden. I really like Sweden. I like watching them play. Oh, despite that one game I watched. I mean, they're going to, I think they can do it on both ends, really. Like if they can get it firing up front. Um, here's Isaac, the youngster who's coming up top. Mm-hmm. has been really good this season. I think Dortmund tried to look in if they had it. I think it might have been Dortmund that had that buyback clause. And there's a lot of um, rumors about him and where he's going to go after this tournament. I think he's been very good. So, uh, <laughs> I think that's another one that could go either way and I can see it going to extra time as well. Yep. All right. Sweden will go and then England v Germany. Geez, we could spend another 15 minutes talking on this, but how about we talk in depth about this one on yep. Wednesday night? Sure. Oh, you know, just when to, we, yeah. When we Alex is back. We talk about Kyle Walker missing a penalty after it, <laughs> it goes to extra God, time. In Germany. This is the team that tens. England <laughs> fear in every tournament and somehow get them in every tournament, it seems. But I don't want any any more comment from you other than a tip. Who's it going to be, England or Germany? England. It's got to be England. Home ground advantage, <laughs> yeah. It has to be. Got to be. Okay, no excuses, no excuses. Nah, this is a weak in Germany side, probably one of the weaker ones they've faced in recent times. This is probably one of the strongest England teams of the past 10 years for sure. So at home, as you mentioned, come on, England. We will be uh, reviewing all those games, as I mentioned, in a couple of days. We're going to get the band back together and start pumping these out a bit more. Um, but Brycey, mate, I reckon we're done. I reckon we'll just Lovely. do a little, just a little, little two-man job today. Um, obviously, there's been other stories in Australia. Melbourne City have deservedly won the A League. I sat down and watched that. What a great game that was, by the way. Uh, plenty of action, um, and yeah, I mean, Luke Bratton got sent off early in the match and. That was all she wrote, Melbourne City at home. But, yeah, they definitely deserved it, and well done to them. 
they won the double as you win in the A League. Uh, obviously, Fox Sports isn't going to be hosting or broadcasting uh, the football anymore. That was their last end game, of an so. era. Yeah, yeah, big time. So it was sad to see. Um, and on top of that, the Champions League rights have changed hands here in Australia. Optus Sport will no longer have the Champions League rights as of next season. Stan Sport, nah, Stan Sport, who oh. have the rugby union rights, yeah. are the ones that have uh, picked that up. So if you're a football fan, soccer fan here in Australia, and you want to see every league possible, now you've got Postacoglu at Celtic. You pretty much, you could be spending, depending on how keen you are to watch Asian leagues and so forth, uh, $80 a month just to watch every football league in the world. So uh, all of the football, global football is now sort of spread across five providers, which for the sport isn't great. So Paramount Plus, Amazon, Optisport, um, Stan Sport, and KO Sports. So anyway. That's another big piece of news for those that love the Champions League. But um, yeah, that's killed me. <laughs> then I realized, then as soon as you said it was on stand, and I've got stand through work, obviously with the force because the Super Rugby's on there. And we're yeah, all fine. That's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it, it's all it changing. For, it would suck for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. having to buy that many subscriptions oh, just to follow football is just mad. And I mean, it's a shame for Optus because they're their content offering, I suppose. It's been great. Yeah, world class, hasn't it? They yeah. have put everything on and it's it's been really nice to have a one stop shop for football. And Absolutely. it would have been it would have been yeah. even nicer if they'd gotten the A League. That would have been out of control. Yeah. Well, that's but, what I thought was happening. And then but to be fair, Stan, I mean I think they did really, really well with the first year of uh, super rugby being back. So yeah. I think I think that bodes well for them covering the Champions League. So hopefully they'll get some good names across. All right, that's us. Uh, 11.01 here in Sydney. I'm going to be up in about six hours, so we're going to wrap this up. Make sure to follow us. If you're still listening, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Like and subscribe. Do all those things. Actually, just before we go, I just remembered we got one question in our call out on um, uh, uh, Instagram today, Bryce. One question. Who is it this time? Was it John Turner again? (laughs) Our guy. It wasn't John Turner, but I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this, but Foie Grass Soiree, my man Felix Silverstein. Amazing, though. I mean, it's not really Euros related, but I'll self indulge <laughs> here. Stu, you've been scoring goal. You've been scoring well this season. I've scored eight goals in seven oh, games for the Mascot man. Kings. Which yes, player man. in the Euros twenty twenty one would you compare yourself to, and why? Oh, well, I can't wait to hear this. Seeing as I'm putting up Ronaldo numbers, I think there's only <laughs> one guy. No, I'm uh, I'm also I'm not very look to be honest with you. I'm just getting in the right spots, so I'm Johnny on the spot half the time and just t- tapping him in. So I don't know what player is uh like that, but you know, Penaldo. I can't. Mate, it's all signs of pointing to Ronnie, mate. <laughs> nah, that was uh, a bit of tongue in cheek. I don't know, Felix. I'm nowhere near the level, but if I had to choose one, Cristiano, mate. Who else? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, that's it, Bryce. Thanks for stopping by, mate. Get better. Enjoy the lockdown. Um, you said you're under the weather, so four days rest for you. No problem. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine, I'm <laughs> He's fine, all good. <laughs> um, we'll be back in a couple days with Alex. But until then, thanks for listening. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for you.